You are listening to the Thinking Effect podcast with Osho Green and Lillian Kriegler. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 19 on the Thinking Effect podcast. And this episode is a special one. It's all about how can teachers use movement to enhance thinking. And we have a very special surprise to you today. But first, hello, Lillian, how are you? Hey, Otto. I'm just saying it again. Hey, Otto. It's how I greet you every <laughs> single time we come on air. Um, it's lovely to see you. And uh, I'm also looking forward to this. And our surprise, shall I announce it right now? Yes, please. Well, we have a wonderful guest tonight on the Thinking Effect podcast. And I met our guest, as I met you, Otto, on LinkedIn. And I was so impressed with her profile. And we are talking about a movement specialist and expert, Gina Bale. We're so thrilled to have Gina. And um, I'm going to hand over to Gina and ask her to introduce and tell us a little bit about herself. Thank you so much. Hello, everyone. My name is Gina. And um, just to give you a very, very brief background, my background was originally in ballet, but I have spent the last 27 years teaching movement and dance in mainstream early years. That's my speciality. And um, send special needs and disabilities and also in vocational and private dance schools. And I have to say my proudest achievement to date, apart from my daughter, she'll kill me if I don't say that, is my baby Little Magic Train, which I created specifically to help children learn through make-believe music and movement. So I'm all about the movement. And um, I have qualifications, so I do know a bit about movement from the Royal Ballet School, Trinity College and the Royal Academy of Dance. But actually working with children is what just taught me everything. Yeah, they're excellent at uh, being great teachers, children. <laughs> and today, yeah, today we're going to talk about uh, learning through movement, which is interesting because, you know, we are born to move. Obviously, our bodies are designed to move around. And in school, we're so confined and we ask children to sit still for so many hours, which is quite, um, quite amazing, isn't it? <laughs> it's awful. It's awful. <laughs> Yes, I mean, the natural thing we all know is for children to want to move. And um, I think also in a recent episode, we said something like the worst thing you can do to a child is say, don't touch, you know, look with your eye, feel with your eyes. And you can't really do that. So, um, you know, Gina, perhaps you'll tell us a little bit about the why, you know, the what, what the movement means to you in your work with the children. And I mean, your children are of different ages, obviously. So, you know, what is it all about? Um, just, just elaborate. Well, for, for me, um, all children are, um, they, they move to learn. If you look at a baby, watch a baby, they move towards something to learn about it. They want to touch it. They want to feel it. They want to, it's, it's all that sensory and um, all children are initially kinesthetic learners. So they have to feel it. They have to do it. It has to be in their body. Um, and for me, movement is part of being human and movement and music are the universal language of communication as well in um, for, for humans and also 
when you look at the birds in the jungle as well, it's exactly the same thing, they all move. <laughs> um, so for me, movement is about creating a learning environment, which is, it, it suits the children's needs. It suits them, not what we want. We want the children to sit still. We want them to sit and listen because we think that's, it's the easiest thing for us, but actually it's not. For the children to learn, they need to move. And we need to sort of think about how we're teaching them. There's been an awful, the why, there's been an the why I feel that way. And I've known this for a long time because I, as a child, was that really difficult child that was always tapping the floor, banging the desk, wanting, fidgeting in my seat. Um, you've seen the children like that. Um, that was me. And I couldn't read or write for um, until I was about nine. And my parents took me to a dance lesson and that unlocked the key in my brain. And I was desperate to learn after that. The minute I was allowed to move freely, I was then ready to learn. There has been an awful lot of research um, in movement and how the uh, movement increases the, the growth of the brain as well. Um, and I know that um, Orteland, um, Lillian, you've been talking about all the different aspects of the science because I'm not into to that part. You are the, the you are the you know all about that. I'm just in there in the practice and I see the way to get the children to move. But there's so many benefits to their cognitive development, their social development, their emotional development, um, their, their myelin building, their physical literacy. And actually, if the children see it, say it, do it, they'll never forget it. For, For me, sure. that's so important. For sure. Um, and, and you're right, there are many researchers that show the connection between movement and the brain ability to remember new material um, and to process also uh, new information. So it linked together. I mean, we learn better when we move. And I want to touch a bit about uh, children with special needs, as I know you work in this area. So can you tell us a little bit about it? Yes, I work two days a week at an amazing school in Abingdon in Oxfordshire, where they have children um, and young adults from two to 19 years of age with um, complex and profound um, physical and learning issues, including autism. And it's all about the movement. I work in the sensory pathway. Obviously, that's all of the sensory. And we, we get the children to move. Some, you know, some children are in the wheelchairs. They have no movement apart from maybe their head. And we find sensory ways for them to experience the movement and to feel the air on their, on their faces as if we're, as we're, we're moving them through and around the room. But we find that children with autism, um, when I start with them, I have to have very short gaps so for example if I'm doing a, a, a movement you sort of they do love doing street dance so we have to do something <laughs> <laughs> so we have to have, and I have to make sure I don't overstimulate them but we have to there's a not this is a non-verbal group of um, boys very active boisterous boys I have had concussion <laughs> that's how boisterous <laughs> they are um, but I, I will keep changing the music every 40 seconds and then I start to extend it till we can get up to a minute a minute and a half and it takes time to keep their attention and I'm and I'm using different props and we're doing different things I tend to have a circuit in the room as well because they like to have that quite specific um, movement and routine as well so gym spots are my magic ingredient for um, working with with those children but they are amazing and I've learned so much and I have to tell you in my first term at this school, I lost over half a stone 
Oh, wow. I'm <laughs> moving and running to keep up. So, and it's all about movement for them to learn. It's all about movement. Um, oh, yeah. And it's, you know, if all children can learn through, well, all children do learn from movement, no matter what their um, physical abilities and needs are. That yes, is amazing. I love um, what you said, Gina, about, you know, your, your own experience, finding it difficult to learn as a child and you have a real sense that you almost felt a part of your brain was switched yep. on um, and there it is a lot of research around you know that part of the brain can appear to be dormant until there are these channels or these connections that happen and it sounds like you're doing that on a daily basis with those um, children in that special needs and I mean there are lots of different ways of describing these children are, and you know, we, we never know whether we're saying the right thing if we if we're saying they're neuro, you know, typical or um, or or what you know how we describe them. But people in Reggio Emilia they call them children with special rights, which I kind of like that very much. Um, but anyway, so they they'd be switching on, and, and I also love the idea of them. You actually. Um, getting their movement and feeling the, the, the air on their faces. So even if they're unable to move, is you you putting them in that movement trajectory, which is helping. It, it's yeah. really incredible. It is. And, and I think one thing we need to um, make sure everyone understands that it's not necessarily that you have to spend the whole time moving. Even short periods of time of movement, have such huge benefits for these children and help them learn better. And another thing to note, especially today, and, and we spoke about it, Liliana, about the environment after COVID with stress and anxiety, that moving in itself helps reduce stress and anxiety and therefore helps children focus on their learning and really um, be within the classroom and, and, and be there and, and be able to learn, actually. So uh, movement has a lot of benefits and don't feel like you have to fill the whole session with movement. You can do it in small parts in different times during the class. And it's also good for you as the adult because a movement releases an exercise releases endorphins in the brain. It's great for your mental well-being as well. Um, and in, in the UK, the movement and exercise is recommended for people with mental health um, issues as well. So I'm, I'm always making sure I'm on my doing my aerobics every day. And I'm sorry, I realise I'm sitting here. What am I doing? I'm moving nonstop. <laughs> I just realised that. I was like, sit still, Gina. Yeah, it's, that's, that's the child I was. Can you imagine it? No, no, this episode is not about sitting still. No, no, we're not sitting still. <laughs> that's the child I was. I, would, I mean... You can see in you know, this, I'm talking when the dinosaurs roam the earth, I was that annoying child for the teacher. So, <laughs> so yeah, movement does, movement did switch something on in my brain. You're absolutely yeah, right, Liliana, yeah. totally switched it on um, and I was ready. And also kids today don't get enough um, physical activity. So the more we can incorporate physical activity as part of um, classroom routines and, and school day-to-day -day activities, that's wonderful. Totally. No, yes, we were chatting and you came up with some wonderful ideas about the children you've put on the music so you can have um, there was some, there's a great research that they um, compared music. They got people to listen to music and I think it was in Australia, um, South America and indigenous uh, tribes in the Amazon to get them to 
show show you how they moved to that music and the movements were universal they were able to show the emotion so that shows it's completely a universal language and you could put on the music you could have the sad music as you're saying that they could show you how they how they move when they're feeling sad and you could talk about what they need to do to feel happy you could put on happy music put on a jig you can there's so much going from classical all the way to pop um there is nothing there is no limit obviously making sure that they are that you've checked for the e explicit songs because <laughs> otherwise they will yeah. be going around saying those words you don't want them to um yeah <laughs> so yeah for sure I've, and, I've and, and you can else. also yeah you can also actually you don't have to use music so let's say you want to have a session about emotion and like you mentioned Gina then you can ask the children to move in a happy way or in an angry way or in a bored way so how can they express emotion by movement? And, and so this is another way to learn about emotion in a physical manner, include, them, include movement in, in this session. So if, if you can't play music or you're worried about <laughs> explicit Clapping. words, yeah, Clapping. yeah, exactly. Yeah, and it's the different speeds. You can do the fast and the slow. You can have fast being happy, slow being sad. Um, all these different, you can also have, you could get them to tap each other. So you could have, the tapping, the slow is when they're feeling sad for the children who have who are have um, physical needs as well. If they're not able to move around the room and it's also the use of language as well, um, saying moving rather than running, skipping and things like that. But, yeah, you don't need music. Absolutely. We have our voice, which is music. The way we use our voice as well when we're teaching is very important. We don't want that monotone all the way through we can we can whisper and we can bring them in there's so much that you can do with them um, for children it's and it's such a pleasure to teach children um i mean you can go from no music at all and you could if you uh, can i can i can i tell you my favorite thing about teaching something very special <laughs> <Of course. laughs> mythology i loved it so much i was doing some this workshop it was actually for the royal valley school but we i've done it in um secondary schools as well we have to learn about Greek mythology and you've got the Grey sisters, everyone, they're the one that have, have one eye and one tooth between them. Can you imagine that? The three of us sharing one eye and one tooth. <laughs> we are the Grey sisters. <laughs> Not saying that we're old hags, everyone, but it's just the, the, the sisters. And it's really nice if you get the children to work together, you get three of them. Two of them have to have their eyes closed or they're blindfolded. And the one in the middle has to use has to explain so they're communicating how to move forward sideways over an obstacle course and then they take turns they're building relationships they are living being those sisters and they will never forget it there's so much fun you can have with that um, and then you can link that to Medusa because they were the sisters of Medusa so you can see how movement becomes everything there, there is no limit to what you can do you can be really simple just the clapping fast and slow to going in full in absolutely and it's all about movement yeah I think it's a lot about uh, being creative with your teaching so it's, like you said you know I agree that any topic in the curriculum you can uh, incorporate movement for example Liliana and myself we were talking about magnetism in one of the previous episodes and I was thinking well if you want to um, uh, let your student express it in movement some of the students can have positive charge some of them can have negative charge and then you ask them to move around the room and ask them, okay, what happened if you come across someone with the same charge as yours, positive and positive, what will happen? 
what will happen if you came across someone with uh, the opposite charge? So, and act it out as you move. So I think there are no limitations, like you said, Gina. It's all about being creative and coming up with wonderful ideas to incorporate movement as part of your curriculum. Uh, yeah, I agree. And I think a very important thing of what you're saying, Gina, is the connection between the movement and the language development and the conceptual development. It, you know, a lot of children don't get the full understanding of just a word, but if they have, if you've complemented that uh, word and its understanding with the movement, then they will remember it and they have a much greater sense of what it means. So I think particularly children who struggle a little bit with literacy, they are going to find it um, perhaps even more important than everyone else, but everyone can benefit from it, clearly. Absolutely. As because as we were saying, language is four forms. You've got the verbal, the speech and the singing. You've got the physical, which is expression, the movement and the touch, musical, beat and tempo and the symbolic so the written word and art so all forms of movement they're, they're all the body you have to use the body so we should all be moving um yeah completely um I'm sorry I'm quite passionate about it I need to get <laughs> off my soapbox I do get on my soapbox um and the other thing as well because I do lots of training I I get the the um, specialize in early years and when I'm doing early years training because we have children in the settings that have English as an additional language we have children that are non-verbal and I always get the um, practitioners to verbalize all of their movements and to feed in new words because that is the best way of doing just all the way through so if we're getting bigger and bigger and bigger you're doing it with your body you're verbalizing those actions as well and you need to make sure that your demonstration though you're demonstrating what you're saying <laughs> that's always key very very key because that that's yeah. something I've seen and it, it has made me giggle a few times like hey, no wonder they're not doing it when you ask them because you haven't you've said to them <laughs> you said jumping and you're walking so of course they're completely confused <laughs> yeah that's a great thing about it because the teachers joining the fun right you're all doing it together Absolutely. yeah yeah and, and we're yeah. helping because we need to they've done um, there's a study that we need to do 30 minutes a day to keep the brain growing and active and also all the um we need to keep laying the myelin around the neurons in the brain as well because you know from the age of two it's downhill you know we've got to look after our brains i was reading they were saying that the brain is the fastest at the age of two but you know, there are many benefits as you get older, actually, in terms of um, the strength of the connection within your brain. So there are definitely benefits of getting older in terms of co cognitive benefits as well. So it's not all downhill, apparently. <laughs> I think it might have been for me. <laughs> Oh no! It's, it's yes. It's because I'm. I'm. I go to the kitchen. I go. What was I coming in here for? Oh, that's when I get worried. <laughs> well, we all okay. have those moments. We all have those. But Gina, it's been such a fantastic joy to have you on our program. And what we do at the end is we wrap it up with a little summary. So I'm going to just quickly have a go at that. So the what is that movement is crucial for learning, that movement is something that a big part of the brain is devoted to and for reason, 
because it helps us to learn. So the why is that the more we do it, especially in the classroom, the more we're going to give these the children the facility for matching what they hear and what they're learning um, with, the, with their bodies and their movements so that it makes it more memorable, it goes into long-term memory, and they definitely consolidate it much better. Plus, it's fun. And the way to do it is to use movement as regularly as you can. Even in, and you've spoken about some really great ways to do it, and so is Autel. Um, doing it um, sometimes, even in an unusual situation, if you're teaching science, or we mentioned um, at some point in an earlier conversation, even the times tables. So it's the taking the opportunities to use movement as regularly as we can to ensure that those pathways and learning channels are being used. And they're not being line fellow and, um, you know, we're making the best of them. This is a fantastic summary. Thank you, Lillian. <laughs> and I think, Gina, you have a surprise for our listener, right? Something special for our listeners. Do you want to say a few words about it? Yes, because as I was saying earlier, my baby's little magic train is all about movement, movement-based learning. We have a free visit to the zoo for you. All you have to do is... Um, should I give you the link or will that be? I will share the link in the I'll description of the episode. Yeah. You have the, the music, the illustrations, the storyline, the speech and language activities, the sensory and invitation activities, planning activities, certificates for the children. And we have all the training videos as well for you. And you'll be able to attend one of our introduction um, live webinars as well, just to, to give you, show you what you can do. This is specifically for early use children, but it works all the way up to um, 18, 19 if you're in a special needs school um, as well. And it's all adaptable for you. But if you're in a secondary school, I can give you something, some ideas for a session instead if you can't do that. Wow, this well, is fantastic. And I putting our hands up for that as well. <laughs> of course, I'll be the first one to jump on this opportunity. <laughs> So yeah, thank you so much, Gina. It was lovely having you um, as a lovely guest in this episode. And uh, thank you for all your uh, sharing your wisdom and experience and also for um, the lovely uh, gift for all our listeners. I'm sure they'll enjoy it very much. And so um, we'll see you again next week where we're gonna have a very, very festive episode number 20. So tune in because uh, we're going to celebrate um, with you and share something special as well. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you very Thank much, you. Gina. And may the little magic train move and just bring magic everywhere. <laughs>